Hey, this is Dan, one of the PP Boys, and I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by one of our patrons, Suro. To support, you can head over to patreon.com slash powerplaythrough, where for a dollar you can get early access and ad-free versions of our episodes. Or you can uh, you can sponsor an episode yourself. All right, we'll see you over there. Patreon.com slash powerplaythrough. Enjoy. You had the power. You are tuned into Power Playthrough, a podcast about how two young boys went to the movies and became men. I am Ob Spice, real name, no gimmicks. Uh, well, that was Freddie, and I'm Dan, also known as Flaccid Spice. <laughs> Ob, how have you spiced up your life this week, bro? I've I've done nothing but drink Pepsi because it is the flavor of Generation X. Uh, Spice Girls had a song that was widely featured in a commercial for it. You uh, read all about it or listen all about it. We may talk about it. I've been doing nothing but living in 97, you know? That's good. That's good. I went on a tour of Las Vegas trying to find a copy of Spice World on DVD. The cheapest I could find it for was $40. Yeah, man. Out of print. When I went to the man that had curly hair and an Australian accent at Zia Records, he laughed at me when I said, do you have a copy of Spice World? He was like, no, everybody wants Spice World, mate. (laughs) It's hard to get. As soon as it comes in here, it's gone. (laughs) What's that, that accent um, you're doing? Like, is it like he was Australian? Oh, yeah. He I, he was Australian. It wasn't just me going like, oh, I need to make a character to talk about how yeah, I can't yeah, get yeah. Spice World. Yeah, no. just making sure. Just making sure. No, he said everyone wants Spice World, mate. Well, it's a fucking fantastic film. It, it's an incredible film. It's a film. That I enjoyed a lot. Those two words are not words that I would call this movie. (laughs) This movie's a lot like Pitch Perfect 3. It's really fun to watch. It is really fun to watch. And like Pitch Perfect 3, it's very aware. Like, it's... it's, I'd say it's... um, it's I would call Pitch Perfect 3... The spiritual successor to Spice World. Mm. Actually, actually, I I would call it the spiritual sibling to Spice World and Josie and the Pussycats. Because mm. if if anything is the spiritual successor to Spice World, is Josie and the Pussycats, which we will talk about. Which which I have never seen. It's so. fantastic. I, I I use these big words all the time. These are these grand words all the time for these things I love. And I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I may be speaking in hyperboles, like, most of the time because of it. But it's how I feel, goddammit. But well, I w- Pitch Perfect 3, Josie and Pussycats, and Spice World are like... These are films that are so self-aware, they're like 
bordering on on sentience, you know? <laughs> Pitch Perfect 3 is really important to power play through because we saw it before we recorded an episode once. And I had a hard time recording those episodes because all I could think about was Pitch Perfect 3. Yeah. <laughs> How fucking wild that movie is. It honestly ruined the day. Like, I mean, it was an enjoyable time, but it ruined the day for us as as like functioning adults. Yeah, much like Big ruined my day last week. <laughs> but, Alfredo, tell me a little bit about when, where, and how you saw Spice World in theaters. See, that's the thing. I didn't get to see this in theaters. Really? Uh, yes, because this was a boy shouldn't like this sort of thing. Hmm. This was a this was a very much like you know it's like you don't you don't really ask your parents not that my parents were ever kind of like well my dad was at one point I'll I'll get to that like not that my parents were strictly like scrutinizing in that matter with like heteronormative things you know and gender roles and all that shit but it was still something growing up as a, as a boy you know in in the nineties. It was still something I knew this was for girls, you know, uh, quote unquote. So, like, it was something I wouldn't ask my parents to go see, but I really wanted to see it. And then I did get to see it because fucking baby Dick Joey, his sisters were really into it. So I could talk to them about it. And when it came out on the video, they immediately got it. So I went over to his house and I watched it. Oh, and, that's then good. I, and then I was able to uh, rent it on my own with my mom and watch it then. And like I said, they weren't, they didn't push to like gender norm stuff. My dad, like he definitely, <laughs> so, so like Christmas that same year, I got, um, I got two baseball. Uh, bit. I, I got, two <laughs> no, I got two of the dolls. I got ginger spice and I got baby spice. Okay. And my dad definitely like was raising an eyebrow as I opened them. And I was excited to open them. <laughs> Mom's like, you like Spice Girls? And my dad's like, you like Spice Girls? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I like Spice Girls. And he didn't, you know, he didn't rag on me or anything, but it was just obviously like a, a curious moment for him. Like, what does that mean? You know, because it has to mean something. But so because of that, and just growing up in the natural way of things back then. I didn't get to see this in theaters, but I desperately fucking wanted to. And eventually, like I said, eventually I was able to, and then me and Sean, or well, Suro, who picked this movie, this is like, this is one of our fucking pillars. We, That's we good. Quote, we quote this film all the fucking time. We'll run through whole scenes together. Mainly the McMaxford shit. We'll just recite just to annoy whoever we're with because it's it's fucking you know it's like insanity mm -hmm. like you know who cares if the spice girls climbed mount everest mount everest on the top of a ostrich you know who cares if the spice girls found a cure for deja vu Psh, not me who cares if the spice girls found a cure for deja vu Psh, not me like we'll fucking do that whole routine that the different bits that happens with mcmaxford and his fucking um 
Oh, what's the other guy's name? I just thought of him as the cock boy. <laughs> well, he played uh, he played Doctor Jekyll in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's a good actor. Apparently, though, not not, not enough to register. Not enough to register his name in my mind, which sucks. But yeah, man, like it's just it's a very important film for as far as friendships goes. Very, very important film, and it's just it's aged beautifully. It's still so fucking funny. It it was really funny. It was it was for me. Um, in '98, when this dropped, I saw I used to get dropped off at the movies every week to go watch a movie and play in the arcade so that nobody had to watch me. Mm-hmm. So this one I remember very specifically because I got dropped off at the Cynodome here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> and, you know, this was a day that my my neighbors weren't getting dropped off with me because I used to always get dropped off with my neighbor Fontana and his brother Mason. Yes, those were their real names. Um, nice. Fontana is such a weird first name. <laughs> well, I only think of the place, so that is. You, well, you're thinking of Montana. This is Montana no. with an F. No, I'm thinking of Fontana, California. Oh, I didn't know there was a Fontana, California. Yeah. That might have been where he's from. That would be unfortunate, but fitting. <laughs> no and, one wants to be from Fontana. They got like a mall, and that's it. <laughs> that's well, where we would go that's like where, where we go like my dad be like you know it's like you want to get new shoes and like oh my god it's like victorville <laughs> like, I, just gotta, I was about to say like victorville <laughs> like, yeah that's one of them <laughs> you want to go get some could, new shoes all right yeah, let's head go, over to victorville yeah we'd go to fontana Oh yeah, like that's wild. Yeah, it's one of the you know it's one of those cities in California. It's a shoe like, town. Yeah, it's a shoe town. <laughs> well, like, so I was getting dropped. Off. It was like the perfect storm. Mortal yeah. Kombat Four was in the arcade. So fuck yeah, gonna go play Mortal Kombat Four. Um, I was getting dropped off alone. The Spice Girls movie had been out for like a month at this point, so nobody was gonna be in the movie theater with me. Yeah. In 98, I was 11 or yeah. 12. 11 or 12. So I was 10. I was starting to discover girls. Mm-hmm. And I liked girls. I liked these girls. I specifically like Baby Spice, but as an adult, I'm definitely a Ginger Spice guy. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I got dropped off. I watched Spice World by myself. And this started me down the path of awakening the hermit in me, going like, I just like doing stuff by myself. Yeah, you're the only guy I know that likes to see movies by themselves. Like, yeah. I don't like it just because I like the kind of, I like the whole experience of watching it with like a friend. But um, I can't even, hold on. I gotta think of the movies I've seen by myself. American Pie 2, which I believe I talked about on the podcast being my first um, R-rated film I saw on my own. Mm-hmm. And what's another movie? I know there's one more. Hold on. 
What's that movie with the little boy who's like too little? Stuart Little? <laughs> that's that's a mouse. No. A little boy movie, he too little. I'm putting that in Google. Little boy movie too little. And it's showing me showing me <laughs> showing me this 2015 film called Little Boy. No. Little boy movie. He too little. What the fuck is it called? It has fucking Simon Birch. Simon Birch! There he is. Simon little Simon Birch, way too little. Nineteen ninety-eight. Ninety-eight, okay. Yeah, it's just a movie about where he too little. Yeah, it's uh, a young boy with stunted growth is convinced that God has a great purpose with him. <laughs> yeah, and for whatever reason, I wanted to see this movie more than anything. And nobody wanted to see this Joseph Mazzello <laughs> classic with you. No one wanted to see it with me. So my mom dropped me off at Boulder Station. And I believe she gambled while I go went to see this movie. Or she went somewhere. I don't remember. No one wanted to see Simon Birch with me, but I saw it. And that was like the first movie I saw by myself. And yeah. Yeah, Spice World was definitely the first, but I know that I saw Battlefield Earth by myself, which I'm glad that didn't awaken anything in me. Um, You were real vulnerable. (laughs) Watch Battlefield Earth by yourself. I... I, after I watched Battlefield Earth by myself, I snuck into Gladiator and watched that alone. I know I saw all of the Fantastic Four movies by myself, and I deserved that. Um, I saw Tron by... I've seen so many movies by myself. It's wonderful. That's like, and I'm the complete inverse. I've seen two movies on my own. The thing si- is... <laughs> Simon is that Birch and American Pie too. The reason is, is uh, like... I don't know if you've noticed after a movie when we stand around in the parking lot for four hours and we discuss the movie until we don't discuss the movie. Yeah. uh, I don't usually take part in that part of the conversation because I don't like to talk about a movie after I've seen it. Generally, Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. to process it and enjoy it, which is why we do a podcast. And I usually watch the movie two days before now so that I actually have an understanding of how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Digest it all. Yeah, because, you know, the moment that we walked out of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Bryn was talking shit about how bad of a movie it was. And I wasn't sure it was a bad movie for like two weeks until I was like through processing it in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I envy her for going, no, that movie sucked, Dan. And I was like, it didn't suck. I don't think it sucked. Maybe it didn't suck. Oh, my God, it sucked. Yeah. Did it did it suck? Watch it. Watch it again and just kind of like realize that the characters don't really go through any fucking growth and that it's just Star-Lord's a god kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to Infinity Infinity War, but uh, well, we'll say like things I know for sure is <clears throat> um what's Michael Rooker? Yeah. Michael Rooker and Batista both gave um very emotional performances. Yeah. They, yeah. That's that's the shit that stuck stuck out to me. Mantis like felt like fucking Drax's emotions, like his deep fucking sorrow. That shit hit me. And obviously the shit that hit everyone, which was uh I'm know, Mary Poppins, y'all. 
yeah, Yondu. Yeah, there are parts of the movie that are good, but overall, as a complete package, it's not good. I gotta check it out. Yeah, like, it's better than Thor 2, but not by much. See, like, that's the thing, like, because the very fact that I can't, like, say, I can't immediately go, hey, hold on, that's good, makes me go, like, oh, what's it bad? (laughs) You know, like, I, it's just the very fact that, but, like, subconsciously, it's not automatically in a place in my mind where it's a good movie makes me question it. So now I got to watch it. There's legitimately only one Marvel movie that if anyone ever told me it wasn't good, I'd fight them to the fucking death. And that's Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's really good. Yeah. It is the, it's the only one that can stand alone as a film and they could take out all of the superhero shit and it'd be a top tier movie still. That's fair. Yeah. All the other ones have the superhero stuff and it like super relies on it. And they're all, they're, they're good movies. I'm not going to say that. I I get get what you're, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's on its own accord. It is a fantastic film. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So, uh, let's stop talking about Marvel. And let's talk about, talk what about we're here Simon for. Birch. Okay, talk about Simon Birch. Let's talk about how much time I spend in the movies alone. <laughs> and that time that I watched Fright Night in a theater all by my fucking self. And I had a great time. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Spice World. I love Spice World. Before we talk about Spice World, when I bought the ticket to Fright Night, the movie theater guy said... You're the only person that's bought a ticket to this film. You, It's going to be very scary in there for you. And I was like, for Fright Night? I don't think so. Okay. And I went in there and I got, it was at the Palms, so I got the chili cheese fries and I had them soak them bitches. So I was just eating some soggy ass fries watching you're, Fright Night. It was, a, it was a, the best You were a day. fucking king that night. If I could have taken my fucking pants off, I would have moved into the Palms that day. <laughs> Like, I wouldn't call that movies. I mean, it's it's Fright Night, um, the 2011 remake. It needs a little more respect on its name. I'll I'll say that much for sure, um, because it's it's a very enjoyable film. And it yeah, it's not the original, but who fucking cares? Like the original is fantastic, golden, it's untouchable, so on and so forth. But the remake of Fright Night, I really really enjoy, and I think it deserves more respect. Yeah, it's a good movie. Also, a thirst trap movie. A lot of yeah. fucking hot people in that movie. <laughs> yeah, the doctor. Yeah. Purple man. Um, before we talk about the movie, I think we need to talk about the Spice Girls in proper. And, like, the the true story of the Spice Girl, girl Girls. The Spice <laughs> the Girls. The Spice Girls. <laughs> their formation. And uh, Freddy's interpretation and the movie's interpretation of their formation. Mm-hmm. So in the mid-1990s, relatives Bob and Chris Herbert of the Heart Management Group decided to create a girl group to compete with the popular boy bands such as Take That and E-17, which were dominating the pop music scene in Britain at the time. So in February 94, together with financer Chick Murphy, 
they placed an advertisement in the trade magazine The Stage asking for singers to audition for an all-female pop group at Dancework Studios. The, the ad that they placed read, Wanted, are you, the letters, 18 through 23 with the ability to sing and dance? Are you... <laughs> got to save on that money man you know it, it's, it's 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 price per letter yeah <laughs> that's killing me are you streetwise outgoing ambitious and dedicated heart management limited our widely successful music industry management consortium currently forming a choreographed singing dancing all female pop act for a recording deal they had to put over heart management mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. They couldn't afford this is, the this three is real. the letters. Yeah. <laughs> Open auditions, dance works, 16 Balderton Street, Friday, the the 4th of March, 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Please bring sheet music or a backing cassette. They had to put themselves over so hard. <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't, yeah, like, they wouldn't spell out R-U twice, but, because they, like you said, they clearly uh, were more focused on putting over heart management as a legit and real thing. Yes. 400 women attended the audition, during which they were placed into groups of 10 and danced a routine to stay by Eternal, followed by solo auditions, which they were asked to perform songs of their own choosing. After several weeks of deliberate deliberation victoria adams melanie brown melanie chisholm and michelle stevenson were among 12 women chosen to for a second round of auditions jerry hollowell also came to those second rounds of auditions despite missing the first because she just emailed heart management group every single day till they said come in fuck yeah jerry was getting in there so a week after the second audition, the women were asked to attend a recall at Noma Studios in Shepherd's Bush, performing Sign Sealed Delivered on their own and in a group. During the session, Adams, Brown, Chisholm, Hollowell, and Stephenson were selected for a band initially named Touch. They moved them into a house in Berkshire, and they spent most of 94 practicing songs, which had been written for them by Bob Herbert's longtime associates, John Thurkwell and Erwin Keeley's. During the first two months, they worked on demos at South Hill Park Recording Studio in Bracknell with the producer and studio owner Michael Sparks and the song arranger Tim Haas. Um, according to Stevenson, the material the group was given was very young pop. One of the songs they recorded, Sugar and Spice, would be the source of their final band name. Uh, when they worked on various dance routines at Trinity Studios, a few months into the training period, Stevenson was fired from the group and replaced with Emma Bunton. When the change happened, Jerry Hallowell said, why don't we just call the band Spice? No wonder she got the, like, real Spice name, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Ginger the realist. Yeah. Your red hair, your ginger, realist. (laughs) There we go. So let's jump forward a couple years to July... 1996 the spice girls released their debut single wannabe in the uk the weeks leading up to the release the music video got a trial airing on a music channel called the box which we had here as well it was just one of those snow channels yeah 
you would you would try and switch between the box and titties. The box during the day, Skinamax at night. This was the way. This is the way. <laughs> the video was an instant hit, and it was aired 70 times a week at its peak. The song entered the UK singles chart at number three before moving up to number one a week later, and it lived there for seven weeks. Once once they decide that they're moving them out of Britain, the song is a global hit, number one in 37 countries, four weeks on top of the Billboard Hot 100, becoming not only the biggest selling debut single by an all-female group, but also the biggest selling single of all time. Like, not just their debut, just an all-female group, best-selling yeah. single of all time. Yeah. Fucking nuts, man. Like, I was looking up the, like, the stats for Wannabe, and just Spice Girls in general. Like, I knew they were a fucking phenomenon. I lived through it. But just to look at the hard numbers of this shit is bonkers, man. Like, straight-up fucking lunacy the numbers they did. It was so crazy that after their third single came out, which was Two Become One, uh, it came out at Christmas, sold 462,000 copies for that Christmas, and it became, in the last five days of the year, it became the fastest-selling single of the year. God! This hit so hard that it was leading companies to draw comparisons to Beatlemania, and the press was calling it Spice Mania, and they were the Fab Five. In seven weeks, their first album, Spice, had sold 1.8 million copies in Britain alone, which made them the best-selling British act since the Beatles. The album ended up selling in total over 3 million copies in Britain, and then it went 10 times platinum. It was... The album was number one for 15 weeks, and it was the biggest selling album of 97. And, I mean, it ended up hitting eight. The main album ended up hitting eight times platinum while the singles were going ten times platinum. So, obviously, we're going to make comparisons to the Beatles. Mm -hmm. So these girls got to get a movie. The Beatles had Hard Day's Night. We're doing a fucking movie for the girls. I mean, this is literally too big to ignore, you know? Like, it makes all the sense in the world that they're going to have fucking a movie. I mean, especially during the fucking 90s, when merchandising and all that had a different language. Yeah. You slapped slapped whatever was successful on everything. Yeah, they're going to get a fucking movie. Like, the... Like, listeners, take the time, if you're not, like, familiar with the actual numbers they did, take the time, just read a couple Wikipedia articles, go through it. It's fucking wild. Like, these girls changed it. Like, hardcore changed it. And, like, I didn't look into it, but I guarantee you they weren't paid what they were, what they were deserved. Probably, yeah, yeah, that's, that's one of the safest assumptions you can make, I'm sure. They probably weren't paid what they deserved until the reunion tour, mm-hmm. which, uh, did you get the chance to go to the reunion tour? No. The first one? No, I didn't. I saw it at uh, MGM Grand Garden Arena. 
And the first reunion tour is where Victoria was there. Mm-hmm. That shit was incredible. It was the energy in that room was insane. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the the full reunion of the Spice Girls at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But the energy in the room was insane. And my sisters started wearing Spice Girls t-shirts again. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> That's girl power, baby. <laughs> well, Spice World, of course, is a 1997-1998 British musical comedy film directed by Bob Spears and written by Kim Filler, Kim Fuller and the Spice Girls. <laughs> is what I wrote. <laughs> Obviously, it was supposed to say The Spice Girls. (laughs) No, it's supposed to say And Them Spice Girls. (laughs) Oh, shit. The film stars the girls who all play themselves. The The film, which was made similar to A Hard Day's Night, depicts a series of fictional events leading up to a major concert at London's Royal Albert Hall, liberally interspersed with dream sequences and flashbacks, as well as surreal moments and some humorous asides. Uh, it came out in the UK December 15th, 1997, ahead of its wide theatrical release on the British holiday Boxing Day. We wouldn't get it till January 23rd, 1998 by Columbia Pictures. In the United States, Spice World became a box office success and broke the record of highest ever weekend debut for Super Bowl weekend, because that's where all of your wives and daughters went that weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And it made... $10,527,222. You know, that must have been the the wildest energy, like, contained in a theater. Because you would have, you know, young kids Mm -hmm. fucking jonesing for this shit. Yeah. And then the parents. All just moms. All moms. No dads. Well, no. And then there's a few dads that are just, like, either that don't care about the Super Bowl or care extremely about the Super Bowl. And I feel like in like, 98, every single dad <laughs> cared about the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you had those dads in that theater, too. Ones that couldn't, you know, they couldn't get away from this. And they was like, no, we gotta go. This was, you know, this means everything to our child. We have to go see Spice World. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know? and, and you just had the angriest fucking dad energy in the world sitting there watching spice world so that theater was built of this the like hyper fixations that only a child could do yeah (laughs) and then very very tense energy between two parental figures the uh, hyper focus that only a child or a podcaster can have (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. thank you yeah The film ended up making $151 million at the box office and then $100 million, including DVD sales. Despite being a box office success, all this film got were negative reviews. Fuck you. This, this is just a... I personally think that it's just a situation where it's like a, a film is truly not understood. But here's here's the thing. Is that we as an age group are completely blinded by nostalgia goggles. Sure. I was watching this movie going, man, the Spice Girls were cool. Man, that space suit that Mel B is wearing is <laughs> fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they had them do just 
like not be real people, just be caricatures of what yeah. everyone thought they were be is so fucking wild in this movie. And they, but like, if you're a film reviewer and you have no connection to the Spice Girls, you're not seeing it because you want to see these girls be these girls. And you're watching the movie for the sake of a movie with a movie story. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this doesn't have it. Well, I think as a, if you're going to be a critic, I think you should also be able to think, like, besides just in that admittedly kind of, like, narrow scope, it's like, you see a movie here and what it's trying to do. In this case, this movie is absolutely trying to be irreverent, self-aware, you know, and just... It's just fan service. Yeah. That's all it is. and, And, like, fan service, sure. But like it to be able to do that and to be like to take a like a satirical look at things like put those uh, to throw this whole fucking film of satire over it you know like I think it deserves a, a different set of lenses for 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 that critic and I think you should be able to be versatile in that in that regard as a critic I think you should see this movie as it's meant to be. As it's meant to be looked upon. Don't fucking go to Spice World. You know. That's about the Spice Girls. And expect. You know. And be looking for something that's going to deliver. A. You know. uh, Academy Award nominations. Or shit like that. You go to it to see like. Alright. This seems to be pretty fucking wacky. What's this going to be? I think you could like. as As a critic. I think this would have been like one of those situations where it's like you go in there expecting a kids movie and you watch it and then you watch it again now that you realize that it's going for something else and then you like give your your fucking take on it. Does it succeed as a satirical film? And I think it really, really does. Well, that's kind of the magic of the Internet, though, right? In 1998, when this movie came out, the only critics you had to rely on were the critics of the newspaper that like they Some, they all hate their job because they <laughs> think that it's a chore to watch yeah. movies and tell people if they're good or not. Yeah. I was surprised by how many times I've aligned with Ebert. Yeah. He's given some pretty pretty takes on things. And that's 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 real wild. We're like what movie were we talking about recently where where else where we brought them up? Um I don't even know what we do anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, let me let me go through my photos of movies that we talk about. One that he would talk about, I think it was Batman Returns, or he was talking about it being just like a a visual kind of like thrill ride, you know, like it was just a spectacle to be uh, to be witnessed. I think it was it was either Jingle All the Way or Batman Returns. One of those, I was just like, yeah, you know, fair play to you, Ebert. And then, like, uh, Cisco like, shat all over it. Maybe and, it was and... Look Who's Talking Now. <laughs> <laughs> Ebert calling Look Who's Talking Now a spectacle that needs to be witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the credits. Especially the credits. But, you know... That's that. 
to go back to your original point, that's true. What you're saying about the, the magic of the internet. You can find a reviewer that aligns with your tastes, which mm-hmm. is also why pedophiles are a problem. But that's a podcast for a different world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like the Las Vegas Weekly used to have a reviewer who's he had a segment on Chet Buchanan in the morning zoo called Josh hates everything. And he was the movie reviewer for our weekly rag. Mm. Uh, and guess what? He didn't like any movie he saw because he had. Because his job was to be critical of movies. What was that fucking tweet that came out the other day about the consumption of art and what a reviewer's job is? I saw. um uh my favorite tweet in the past week was uh, this bear is unhinged in reference to uh, the Paddington movie. <laughs> there was like another tweet too. It was like, I, you know, I don't trust Paddington and I believe he, he willfully wishes harm on me. Those are the, the tweets that are in my mind right now. Well, Henry Zabrowski tweeted, can you get COVID from sucking feet? <laughs> Fuck, this was supposed to be a search. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, on dry surfaces, that shit don't live. <laughs> so if, if you got someone that maintains their feet, you're good. But if you get someone that has like, some sweaty ass feet, you could be sucking COVID right right out of them nails. Like, obviously, you could get COVID the same way like you sucking lips or sucking fingers, right? Don't be sucking fingers. Don't be sucking toes. But as far as, like, the argument, can COVID live on feet? Well, it depends how dry those feet are. It's like you run your fucking tongue across a foot and it's like an emery board. Chances are there's no COVID on that foot. All right, so here's this terrible tweet, which we will credit to Jerry Saltz, at Jerry Saltz with a Z. He's the senior art critic for New York Magazine. A, uh, he won a 2018 Pulitzer Prize in criticism. This terrible take he wrote is, a good critic always puts more into writing about artwork than the artist puts into making art. The artist only creates. The critic must plumb that creation and write creatively enough to deliver the full volume of the art while also creating a thing of beauty and clarity itself, which is someone's someone's way of saying, uh, well, fuck the shit me. that you make. I'm smarter. Yeah, listen to me jerk off. Listen to me jerk yeah. off. All listen they had to do off. was make a thing. I got to talk. Talk about the creation <laughs> of it. My, my yeah. If you, you like, like, if you like Spice World, go fucking like Spice World. You like the sound of my foreskin. That's that's all I fucking heard. Yeah, like that's fuck. What a self righteous piece of shit. They merely created it. I gave you the lens 
to witness it. You know, like, fuck off. Thanks, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. The film begins with the Spice Girls performing their song Too Much on Top of the Pops, but they become dissatisfied with the burdens of fame and fortune. Meanwhile, sinister newspaper owner Kevin Mac- McMaxford is trying to ruin the girl's reputation for his newspaper's ratings. McMaxford dispatches photographer Damien to take pictures and tape recordings of the girls and post false out-of-context shit. He's uh, less threatening, but more more less threatening, but more annoying is Pierce Cut Cuthberson Smythe, who stalks <laughs> the girls along with his camera crew, hoping to use them as subjects for his next project. Yeah, he's doing the unofficial Spice World, you know. Yes, like how like that weird trend in the late nineties where every like music act had a the unauthorized biography and they used but for the most time it most part it was just called an unauthorized biography even though they paid for it like slipknot had one icp had one corn had one and there are always these like fucking dodgy ass dvds or tapes where it was like someone who may know them talking about them like here, here's a um, here, here's 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 a Tib Henderson. He lives in uh, Iowa in Des Moines. He says he 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 was a roommate of Corey Taylor, and then like they just fucking interview this guy while they. Play. He's like, yeah, Corey used to live here. Yeah, <laughs> and he plays like <laughs> non copyright infringing music that kind of sounds like on the same genre, you know. Like there was the, always bullshit the, like that, and this is, it's a uh, isn't it? And it's fucking um uh Alan Cummings that that plays uh Pierce, right? Yeah. The funny thing about those unauthorized documentaries, specifically the ICP one, is that like <laughs> it was completely official, and they made it, and they went to so many Juggalos' basements to ask them questions, and you just realized. How fucking dumb some of those people were. Now, f- guys, you're never going to see this, but Freddy, I have to turn on my camera for a second. Let me put my chair up so you can see this. Yeah. In the ICP one, there's one where they talk to this kid who's got like Jamie Madrox twists in his hair. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the spider legs. Yeah, and... They just cut to a point where he like looks at the camera, his eyes are half closed like mine are right now, and he goes, It's awesome. <laughs> and I can never not think about that. <laughs> awesome. All those ICP documentaries were either that, like some someone's uh someone's basement with like riddle box posters and shit like that, or it was the aftermath of the concert and you just had guys with smeared face paint sweating their dicks off talking about you know family yeah they're just covered in soda i will i will say like other people sweat yeah i will say like the icp unauthorized documentary and the legit unauthorized documentary they're hard to tell apart i'll I'll, that's the i guess that's the exception to the rule 
but Alan Cummings' character is definitely doing the unauthorized, you know, they have, we don't have their permission to film. We're sneaking in everywhere. We're getting interviews with people that may know them or have secondhand accounts of them, and that's it. Yes. It's really fucking funny. So, at the same time, the girl's manager, Clifford, is fending off two overly eager Hollywood writers, Martin Barnfield and Graydon, who relentlessly pitch absurd plot ideas for the girl's feature film, which actually become what's happening in the film. (laughs) It's fucking funny, dude! Like, it's... it's Oh, God, I need to get my... Like, I was taking a sip of my Pepsi Zero, so all you hear is my fucking straw rattling around in there. That is all I hear. It's fucking funny, though. Like, they, they reality shape. It just happens at a certain point in the movie where it just... And, and they ignore... And, like, Clifford rec- knows that they're doing it. It's so fucking funny that how nonchalant it is. Also, they're basically like me and you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At one point, they have the girls jump a bridge that's rising. They're like, that'll be expensive to do. And then they show a Hot Wheel going over a fake bridge. <laughs> Made and then, of wooden blocks. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Martin Banfield goes, or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is funny. Amid this, the girls must prepare for their live concert at Royal Albert Hall in three what days. Was wrong, what was wrong with the first take? I like the burp. The bur- <laughs> it was a hiccup. The Royal Albert Hall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest performance of their career. Kind of like get them to the Greek. Yeah, yeah. At the heart of it, the constant rehearsals, traveling, publicity appearances, and other burdens of celebrity affect the girls on a personal level. It prevents them from spending time with their pregnant Asian best friend, Nicola. She's due to give birth a week ago. Throughout their busy schedule, the girls try to ask Clifford for time off to spend with Nicola and relax, but Clifford refuses after talking with the head of their record label, and he gives... Uh, some cryptic and eccentric messages. Oh my god, they're all fucking wonderful. When the the was uh, when the speeding melon hits the wall, it is Christmas for the crows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and any time Clifford gets off the phone, his yeah. like assistant goes, "What would he say?" He goes, "I have no idea." Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no idea, but I know he's right. <laughs> Just. <laughs> So when stress and overwork compound and culminate in the girls' huge argument with Clifford, the girls storm out of the evening before their gig at Albert Hall and supposedly break up. Yeah. It's such a fucking, like... It's... The movie is, whether by design or not, is so goddamn quotable. There's so many, like... Like I said earlier, irreverent... Reverence, the best way I could put it. There's so many irreverent little fucking gems in this movie that you can just say offhandedly. And this could be completely exclusive to my personal group, where, you know, you, you fucking talk about manta rays, you know? Yeah. Like, and if, if anyone fucking watches Spice World, I'd like, I think it would resonate with them because of the manta ray fucking thing that just keeps coming up and how everyone fucking hates Jerry for bringing it up. And then Victoria asks that one, like, 
like that one uh, fashionista at the fucking gathering and what she thinks about Manta Rays and she thinks it's a fucking clothes designer and all that. Like, fucking... These shoes are Manta Ray. <laughs> yeah, these are his glasses. These are his glasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie is bonkers, dude. And it doesn't give a shit. Like, it truly doesn't give a shit. I've talked before about how I... Th- like, a good movie is structured where um you avoid the the path and this happened then this happened then this happened and this happened and instead go for this happened therefore this happened and then this happened you know like you it it's um it's still um it's a congruent line but it all like like yeah it's a congruent line like it makes sense there's there's a there's a reason for for the events transpiring the way they do this movie truly is this happened oh then this happened and then this happened like (laughs) to the point where we were talking about those two writers are now fucking shaping the world by saying this shit exactly that way oh and don't forget about the bomb on the bus you know (laughs) like it's just fucking funny dude it's it's that's why i think it's like smarter than it is because it's very much aware of the way this movie just flows yeah, yeah, and there's, then there's like a pregnancy scene that lasts for like thirty fucking seconds, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and the way that the girls go back to work is because one of the nurses goes, "I'm supposed to see the Spice Girls tonight. Hope you're there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing yeah, yeah. shade at them, uh, and, and like, yeah, the it's that, and then them, um, pitching this mad dash chase to Clifford that gets them to move. It's fucking, it's just, it, it, like, if you really dig into it and scrutinize it and, like, you know, put the, put the fucking microscope, microscope to it, like, you, you can start, you, your brain starts folding in on itself. <laughs> well, like, their their Doctor Who esque bus is pretty fun to me. Yeah, that's really fucking funny. The fact that it's just way too big on the inside to to match what's going on on the outside. And everybody's got their their like own area. Like Baby Spice has like a little dollhouse area where she sits yeah. in a swing. They're gimmicked out. They're gimmicked out like cubbies. Yeah. And Posh has just a, a bunch of mirrors and Gucci dresses. <laughs> Yeah, sporty who fucking needs subtitles for the whole movie. <laughs> so I've I've gotten used to the that kind of like accent, or I guess it's um, is it it's, scary needs it too? The the Leeds accent, like the Cockney accent that Sporty yeah, yeah. has. Yeah, yeah. Um, they so like I said earlier. The cheapest I could find this DVD was $40, and that was a man laughing at me saying it'd be at least $40. We don't have it. Um, so I found it in 16 parts on YouTube, which that's is... How we watched it. And that's how you should watch it, because the link is in the show notes. Yeah. There was no ability for me to look at subtitles. And YouTube subtitles are the worst subtitles in the world. So... Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're auto generated, aren't they? Well, mo- unless you upload your own. Yeah, they're auto generated in English, 
if you have an a foreign language thing they have to be added it's not even it's not even good with english because it cannot it cannot deal with slang you know or accents or any any kind of fucking accent yeah especially southern oh my god (laughs) oh my god um the scene so one of the funny things about the whole thing was it gave the illusion that the Spice Girls have so much control over how things happen in their career because there's the part where they're getting their photo shoot and the guy's like telling them to do stuff and they're just kind of like doing the same pose every single time. Did you see who that photographer was? No. It's Dominic West. I don't know who that is. Dominic West, he played fucking uh, Jigsaw in Punisher Warzone. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like a real young ass Dominic fucking West there. He's been like, um. Would it be terrible for me to tell you that I never saw Warzone, even though I've heard that it's the best version of a Punisher movie? I mean, it's, it makes me excited because we just put it on the list. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me real excited now. Like, all right, we got more content for sure. Because you gotta see it. You gotta see it. But he's also in fucking Rockstar, which we'll talk about at some point. I mean, um, looking looking at his main thing, the film that I know I've seen him in was Chicago. Okay. <laughs> Dominic West was it was 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 uh, giving you the thumbs up from the screen. <laughs> Apparently he was in Star Wars Phantom Menace too. Yeah, but he was just like a palace guard. He was just a palace guard. That's interesting. But yeah, Dominic West, I love him. I love, especially love his performance as Jigsaw, and you will too. Um, so, so like, like the scene yeah, where the, they're getting their photos taken, and then they're just like, let's go do our own thing, and they go dress as each other, and basically bag on each other as they pretend to be them. Yeah, I still like, though, that like the real world continued as they ran off, because they're like, girls, where are you going? Where are you going? And then like that was it. Now we're in the... the the spice world <laughs> yes <laughs> we have now been transported to the spice world um real the like laws are different here and like you said they're, they're now like dressing up in different uh costumes and then they eventually parody themselves uh see if i could do it all right off the top of my head jerry is melcy um or where i or excuse me i should say there i should go by their uh, go by their spices <laughs> Go buy their spices. So Ginger is dressed up as Sporty. Yes. Then you have Posh dressed up as Baby. Yes. Baby dressed up as Scary. Yes. You have Scary dressed up as Ginger. And then you have Sporty dressed up as... Wow, my brain... Oh, excuse me, Posh. Yes. Bring My brain stopped for a second, but I got it. I believe... You got it right. Yeah. I would hope so. I've seen this movie way too many times. Way too many times for me to be wrong on that. I, I, Ginger even does, like, it's funny you mentioned Sporty's fucking accent, uh, Mel C's accent, because when Ginger is dressed up as Sporty, she even does that fucking accent, and you just, that's, that's still to this day, I have no idea what she fucking said. <laughs> like, I know every other, like, 
I know the lines in the rest of this movie. I've gotten used to British accents because I just watched a lot of British comedies and shit like that. This to this day, I have no fucking clue what Jerry said as Sporty, who's normally very clear. <laughs> I mean, she probably just said and went, "Oh yeah, you go to Bunga, huh?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just poke a like it, and he just yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of funny shit that has them, like, in control of their career, which they weren't. They were a manufactured band. Yeah. Um, Like, the scene where they're performing and the guys in the, the underwear come out and start thrusting behind them. Oh, my God. Okay. So, we got a couple things to say about that. Okay. Fucking great. So, the, um, yeah, they're, like, in Italy, right? And they're doing, like, some press event. Yeah, there was no Brexit then. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, yeah. So like, Clifford is arguing with the stereotypical Italian like um, uh, entertainment director, and they're like going back and forth on this like you know this agreement. It's like, no, we're having them perform, but I'm not having these guys with their cocks out here because it's very, you know, it's very European, right? That's like yeah. the whole thing. He's like, no, it looks good. And he's like, no, we're not fucking doing that. We're having, like, a decent show here, so you get rid of these fucking guys. And so they get into a whole heated thing, and the girls are, like, up there, like, <laughs> laughing at their dicks. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> all these guys are trying to sleep with the Spice Girls, and, like, Emma is going, like, no, I've got a bunny, I've got a lion, I've got a turtle, so there's no room for you in the bed. And she touches him, and he's, like, covered in oil, and she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but, but, like, uh, it's like... Uh, <laughs> they're like pointing at his dick, and they're like, "You think that's real down there?" And he's like, "And and uh, who says it?" Like, uh, um, pro- I think it's scary. She goes, "No, it's a double stuff sock, mate." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, like, oh my god, the guy, the guy's smiling away like he doesn't understand English, which is for his, for like in the for the character's sake. I hope that's fucking true. <laughs> Or that could be his thing. That could be why he's smiling. Or like, yeah, they're pointing at my wiener and laughing at it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that bathroom that I needed to use at the Hilton because sometimes I need my dick laughed at. <laughs> you know, those Just, bathrooms have been remodeled. They took that out. They took that. It's not the same. Oh. Well, I'm sure. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys with a humiliation kink that are disappointed by that. I don't, sure really, I don't really think I have a humiliation kink because I think my thing was like hanging out in the bathroom, <laughs> and the thing that was funny is watching guys <laughs> come in, go to the urinals, look up at the pictures, and go, "Ah, oh, I don't want to do here." <laughs> then you you got to gas them up. You're like, "Don't listen to him, bud. <laughs> Your dick is fine." <laughs> They're not laughing because it's that small. They're shocked that it's that big. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fucking great. You like you're, you're in your that thing looks like that thing doesn't look like a baby carrot. It's a full yeah. fucking carrot, bitch. Yeah, and you're and you're like you you also hand them like paper towels to like dry their hands and shit like that and offer them <laughs> them. Just, like if you but you don't bathroom, but you don't work there. <laughs> yeah, like, you just you're just a, you're just a yeah. bathroom hangout guy. Yeah, 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 and you like. You you bring your own assortment of mints and chocolates and stuff like that, and, you know, like tech. Technically, you are. Oh fuck! Was uh, 
I would never legal, do that. What's a legal solicitation? Is that what it, is oh, that yeah. it's called? Oh, it, yeah. It's definitely. Or solicitation. Is solicitation meaning illegal? Uh, yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the bathroom attendant? Uh, I don't like it because it's a fucking obligation. I agree. I don't really want your gum. I don't want you to hand me paper towels. I don't want to have to tip you a dollar for me to piss. That's the shittiest fucking thing about this. Like, they're they're helping it. I'm like, you know, thanks, man. You know, and I'm just like, all right. You know, it's like, I got to give you money for this job that. It's, it's just shitty because like a waiter, like I'm not putting down the work a bathroom attendant does by any fucking means. It's just an, it's just wholly unnecessary. Right. I think that if I was in a tax bracket that made me care less about the money that's in my pocket. That's the fucking thing. What you're going to say here. That's the fucking thing. When they put it at the fucking bathroom at, you know, uh, at, at like, why can't I think of the name of the fuck? When they put it in the fucking bathroom at the House of Blues in the Mandalay Bay, motherfucker, you're not fucking attending the wealthy. You know, it's like, I came here to see Killswitch engage. It was like, I got a wallet chain. Do you think I, you know, do you think I could just give out a fiver? The problem is, is like the there are places that I go that actually I stopped going to because of bathroom attendant. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them went out of business. It was insert coins. But yeah. the successor to insert coins, you know, that bar in the Neonopolis ah, fucking hiccups. You know, that bar in the Neonopolis that has Cactus Jack's outfit in it. Yeah. The, the, the nerd. nerd. Yeah, yeah. The nerd. They have a bathroom attendant, and I won't go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I number one, I don't drink. Number two, all the shit they have there, I have at home, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, if I would prefer a guy soliciting his own fucking candy bars and shit, and talking about how nice my dick is, like over the <laughs> the obligation that a, a a bathroom attendant put there by the establishment. I mean, you're, just... a, you're, you're a fucking liar. You know that? Because you hmm. get gassed up about your dick all the time and you always no, no. go, stop it. You're, you're, you're taking, you're taking, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm giving a very, uh, hold on. You're not, li- not listening to what I'm saying. Not <laughs> listening to what I'm saying, goddammit. I'm saying that, like, I would much prefer a guy doing that, like, that that is provided there, you know, that it's just doing that, just trying to make a buck, like the same guy trying to sell me a fucking hot dog outside the LA Convention Center. Or, That's a great water guy. Bottle. That's a great you know, guy. You know, like yeah, like I one dollar water, water one dollar, water one dollar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm okay with that. Opposed to this guy who's now the bathroom attendant, put into a place where the tax bracket doesn't fucking um, necessitate any tips at all for a job that is ultimately like in this. Cl- in the, it's like a how do I put it? In this class, in this class of living, it is completely unnecessary and comes more as a fucking hindrance and obligation, like we're talking about. Where it's just like, well, you know, I feel fucking terrible that you have to stand here and like, you know, you're helping. You're just, you know, you're just smelling urinal cakes all day. You're 
handing me paper towels and making sure I smell nice and stuff like that. And I am not looking for that. And now I feel like, you know, like I got to fucking pay you. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you that I got to pay you. I'm just kind of mad about this position. We were put in by people way wealthier than us. If you're in there, if you're you're just a guy hanging out in the bathroom on your own accord, gassing up dicks and, and, and like fucking selling candy bars and shit and hand out paper towels, I'm much more, I'm much more like, you know, like comfortable with that fucking scenario. Because, like, this guy is, like, he's not the, you know, like, this is a guy who's, who, like, who has no, um, he's not under, he's not under the pressure of some kind of management, and he's, and, like, and therefore he, like, no one has this uncomfortable obligation feel. It's just like, oh, hey, man, you, what was that? You got some, you got some M&M minis? How much is that? Dollar fifty? Yeah, that's a little more, but, you know, I like your hustle. Here you go. Here's two, two dollars. Keep the change. You know, there you go. You know. I think I just think that if I can wear a T-shirt into your establishment, no bathroom attendant. Yeah, that's a good fucking rule of thumb right there. Yeah, and that's how I feel at the House of Blues fucking bathroom attendant. Yeah, it's like I I appreciate you, brother. I really fucking do. I really fucking do. But it is kind of you know like they they're doing us all dirty by having you here because my friend, this is a Bayside. You know, concert. I wore a t-shirt in here, and my <laughs> yeah. ticket is standing room only. My ticket was eighteen dollars. I didn't standing. even spend enough money to sit in this place. <laughs> I'm only gonna ask for a water <laughs> from the bar. Like this is just—it sucks. You know, it sucks. I just hope they're paying you, but I know they're not. I know they're not paying you appropriately. So no, you're is... you were hired on to make whatever they provided all of the accoutrement. Yeah. You're only paid what people put in the bowl in the bathroom, and it's all yeah. out of obligation for feeling weird that you put paper towels next to them when they wash their hands. Yeah, yeah. Bath- bathroom attendants. I, I, if you're not in that tax bracket, God, I feel for you. I feel for you, and I'm sorry for the uncomfortable situation that any future one will. If I, fi- oh, I apologize for the uncomfortable situation that will be in the future the next time I meet one of you. <laughs> but anyway, they're laughing at, <laughs> they're laughing at that dancer's dick while Clifford is arguing. Now, the funny things I want to talk about is the song they're doing in this, right? Mm-hmm. It is not a Spice Girls song. It is um, my gang, or yeah, by fucking known pedophile Gary Glitter, and that's he was originally in this movie, and they pulled he, him out, right? He he came out at the end of the song. There's an extended version of the scene where he comes out at the end of the song, but the fucking he was arrested like weeks into production. Or, well, not arrested, because he wasn't convicted. Or, no, he was arrested. He wasn't convicted till 99, but he was arrested, like, weeks after, uh, weeks into this production for fucking child pornography. So they deleted the scene and fucking just got rid of it. But it's still out there. You can still find a scene where he comes out the fucking end. This pedophile superhero. Um, but the other, the other story about the song is much more funny. Because, uh, you know, like, you know how, come on, come on, 
come on, come on, come on, right? Yeah. Me and well-known to the podcast, Baby Dick Joey, uh, the kid that had a trampoline, and uh, and that was the only reason I hung out with him, and also, like I said earlier, his sisters were in the Spice Girls, so I could hang out with them and talk about Spice Girls and stuff like that. We were walking. It was me, Joey, and his younger and his uh, younger sister, uh, Ashley. We were walking in my old neighborhood, and Ashley was just singing that song. Me and Joey <laughs> are walking. Me and Joey are walking along with her, and she's singing that song. And I think she has like a friend. I think her name was Lacey. I don't fucking remember. Some very uh, sounds about white name, you know? Yeah. And we're walking by the school, walking along. And no one fucking sees these people, but out of nowhere was like another group of girls that came out and like, what, what the fuck are you saying to me? And Ashley's like dumbfounded because she's singing the song, but the song, the lyrics are, come on, come on, come on, come on. It sounds like a fucking football rally, you know? Yeah. Um, but apparently these other girls took offense to it, thinking it was like some kind of goading. Or something like that. Hmm. I didn't give a shit what was going on in front of me. They, they like, they're older, uh, but not by much. They're definitely older than Ashley. Like I said, she's a younger sister. These girls were probably about my age, you know, so about me and Joey's age. But, um, <laughs> they come over to us. And Ashley's like, it's just a song. It's just a song. Like, reasonably scared. And they're, like, trying to get into it with them. I'm just watching this shit unfold. And Joey who thought he was the white power ranger, you know, like, and, and I, and I specifically said it that way. <laughs> and he thought he was a Beetleborg. He thought he had a fucking Zord under his house. Or like, these are all the things he would tell us, as I've said before and gone on with like the fibs, this fucking kid would tell and try to play off as, as serious. Like he really thought he was like an anime character in, in the real world, you know, like not, not, I wouldn't say like, you know, he was deranged, but he just had this, he had this uh, view of the world where he thought he was more important than he was, right? And he oh. thought he could. I know that view. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and, and so he tries to like step in front of his girls, you leave my sister alone, you know, like being a big hero. Tell and me she, she punched him right in the fucking throat. She punched him right in the fucking nose. <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking dropped to his knees and they ran. Like, she threw one punch into his fucking nose and they booked it. And Ashley was screaming at him as they ran away. And Joey was on his fucking knees, fucking crying and holding his nose. And it was the most, like, oh, I savored it. I savored it just looking at him. I didn't fucking move an inch. I didn't budge. I'm not fucking chasing him. I don't give a shit what just happened here. Like, this was, as far as I, uh, as far as I could tell, this was a treat. Baby Dick Joey just got socked in the nose by an older girl. (laughs) 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 And it was all because of that fucking Gary Glitter song, but done by the Spice Girls, and that's how we knew it. And any day that Joey got punched, which happened to be quite a few times in our time of knowing him, because I think that was just like the karmic balance. I think that was just the universe aligning itself and just making things right. Because this kid was such a, he was so fucking obnoxious. He was so fucking shitty. He just stepped out of line 
all the fucking time. And he got popped a bunch one one time by me because I remember we were like in his garage and I think the skateboard belonged to Sean and on the skateboard it had a cartoon depiction of a police officer but he was of course a pig you know yeah I said no skating on it and all that you know like cool and Joey um is like on his bike just in the garage and just turning the wheel because that just seemed to be the idle thing to do. You know, when your kids are just standing in a garage, we don't know what to do. Sean has a skateboard. Joey has his bike. I have my bike. And, and like, you know, you just turn the wheels in place and he's straddling it. And he looks at it. He's all, oh, Freddie, he kind of looks like your dad. And I just punched him right in the lip. And he fell down. And he then he ran inside crying to his mom. And, and his fat fucking mom, Ava, came out. Freddie, you need to leave. And I just fucking left without saying anything. Yeah, that kid always stepped out of line so to see him <laughs> just like instantly like no fucking like no time was wasted no time was wasted they came up it was a misunderstanding clearly but joey stepped in front being a fucking knight got popped in the nose and they ran and it was just <clears throat> just chef's gory. kiss yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah beautiful that's 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 uh that's how things should be right. That's how things should be righted, all the time. Joey, Joey getting smacked in the fucking face. So that, that's all I wanted to say. This song was done by a pedophile and speak, and that little that, that little uh, story from the past. So uh, Elvis Costello made a cameo in the movie, and he goes, "They called me. They asked me if I'd be in it, but." Uh, I didn't think that you'd get me to be in a movie. I, I don't think you'd get me to do a cornflakes advertisement. <laughs> that was Elvis Costello's quote on the movie. Oh, and, Elvis, uh, Elvis Costello is a real one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the movie originally had scenes with, uh, mentions a princess die and Gianni Versace, but they took them out because they died while the filming oh was my happening. God. Yeah. Whew. And they originally cast Frank Bruno to be the bus driver. If you're wondering who Frank Bruno was, he was a famous uh, British professional boxer. He was active from 82 to 96. Mm. Um, he won the WC WBC heavyweight title from Oliver McCall at Wembley stadium in 95. Okay, so, now, that I'm, now I'm looking at him. I've seen him in a few highlight reels. Well, yeah, he like his, the two like biggest fights he ever had were two against Mike Tyson in '89 and '96, mm. but he fought Lennox Lewis in '93. Okay, and he was originally cast to be the bus driver, but quit on the spot when the Spice Girls security guard wouldn't let his son take a photo with the girls. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. man. Uh, and I'm sure his son could have could have got that picture, could have got that autograph. It, the Spice Girls were so protected, though, yeah, by I, their security like, get, that they I'm, weren't going to let anybody near them. I'm sure, like, if he, like, in the scenes with the girls, like, that he would have had, I'm sure he could have asked and they would have been cool with it. I feel like... He just didn't go through the proper channels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he probably he probably thought, I'm who I am. I'm in this movie. 
getting a picture yeah. with these girls should be easy. And he didn't right, right. probably just go to his manager and go, hey, can you make sure that my son gets a picture with the Spice Girls? Yeah, yeah. Instead, he just kind of assumed, oh, okay, yeah, I can yeah. see that happening for sure. But the the choice they got, like the or the the backup they got, man, Mwah! another chef's kiss. <laughs> Fucking the <laughs> the meatiest, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the meatiest of all ballad singers, Spe- the loaf. <laughs> Speaking of it, the film re- reunited Meatloaf and Richard O'Brien, who the last time they were in a film together was the Rocky Horror Picture Show which also reunited O'Brien and Barry Humphreys, who co-starred in the follow-up to Rocky Horror, which was called Shock Treatment, which I don't know if you've ever seen Shock Treatment. I don't think I have, no. It's not good. (laughs) Okay. So no official soundtrack was ever released for Spice World, but the girls did release an album called Spice World, and only one track from that album was not used in this movie. So yeah, that's yeah. it. You're blowing my mind now because Richard O'Brien, I didn't know. So that's Riff Raff from Rocky Horror, right? Yeah. I didn't know that Riff Raff fucking played Damien. The fucking I've been living a meaningless lie, you know, like the fucking evil photographer. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. Oh shit, that's wild. Yep. But yeah, like I was, go- I was listening to the album today, and I was just like, "Yeah, just about every fucking song is in this movie." So it's a great advert for for um that CD. Like, there's so like every single one's a fucking banger too, man. Yeah, for real. Uh, like I at that time, like it was one of the albums where every song was a single. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember? When 50 Cent thought that uh, The Massacre was that kind of album where every song was a single, so much so that he released a DVD where every song had a music video. (laughs) I remember it, yeah. Well, I owned it. And guess what? It's no fucking Spice World. (laughs) (laughs) Those are lofty aspirations, you know? That's like... I don't think this... I mean, that was... Uh, when Massacre came out, that was 2006, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say 2005, 2006, around there. I don't think, I think that was like a, I don't think there was a entertainment space for an album like that back then, or like anymore, I should say. I think it was already, that era was already over. I don't think, like, today... trying to think is lady gaga lady gaga could do it lady gaga uh i i think that lady gaga and her non-related children grimes and poppy could do it yeah 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 i could see that for sure lady gaga if anyone could pull it off gaga could pull it off uh beyonce could do it because of the bay hive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know there are people that are there are there are acts that are so famous that they could do it. And like there are gonna be these old rock bands that you would be like, but they're that famous. They're not they're not we can make a fucking concept movie. <laughs> Beyonce Beyonce was in the remake of The Lion King and it mm-hmm. didn't hurt her because that movie was fucking terrible. Did you see it? 
I still haven't seen it though because like it's such a uh, uh, what's it? such a superfluous film, you know. Like, I think I that you should I just at I least watch to. the "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" segment because it takes place in the middle of the day. What? Can you feel the love tonight? Right. Takes place what? in the middle of the day. So it, they, they're singing the lyrics to that song, but it's more of a can you feel the love this afternoon? Is it like a late afternoon? Is it like the sun is getting close to going down? Or I'm going to say it's post-lunch, but I'm watching, very I'm long watching, before dinner. I'm watching it tonight. I'm gonna, like, I got Disney Plus. You don't need to watch the whole movie. The only things that I would 100% say to watch are um, be prepared okay. because. Is that uh, still like, you know, is that still like the, the truth? Is that still like. No, amazing? no, because, uh, you know, they wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So there aren't bits where Scar is going through and there's green steam coming out of the ground and like incredible color direction and a and a broadway invoking, stage singer that could do yeah, their thing invoking it, the, the the fucking the the second reich you know, imagery yes. and all that shit fuck man that shit's wild yeah there's none of the emotion and drive behind the song for be prepared yeah and uh the movie just fails in every aspect so if you yeah. just watch be prepared and can you feel the love? It's it's so bad. But I will say that Timon and Pumbaa are On the highlight of the movie. Okay. Because the voice if you look at the fucking like when the when the cast was coming out, I was like, okay, okay. When I saw Timon and Pumbaa, I was like, yo. I think <laughs> like, I like, think oh. that Billy Eichner is a fucking yeah. treasure and he's underutilized. I think I think so too. I think so too. When I saw that, like the you know the voices, um, the voice actors being announced for that fucking film, that's the one where I was like, okay, that one's fucking on point. It's like, yeah, you know, you didn't get the original voice actors back, but if anyone was gonna do it, I was like, you fucking nailed it with those ones. Yeah, it, it's an all-star cast in a fucking terrible movie, and it really didn't hurt anybody in their like careers. They just were like, yeah, we were in the Lion King. Did you ever see that dump truck that pulled up to my house and they just poured <laughs> money into it? What yeah. was I going to say? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Yonsei, for sure. Yonsei is one of them. Um, I would even, I would even, um, I would even argue uh, Miss Swift because she released like two albums that barely touched the charts and she's still like the biggest thing in the fucking world. Oh yeah, Taylor. And, and, and now, and now she like just this, you know, just this last year she fucking released a like kind of indie folk album. And two it's of fucking, them. It's fucking amazing, by the way. She released like, two albums. Yeah, like is like to be able to release two albums that were middling, and be like the biggest star in the world, and then like to still be the biggest star in the world after that. Okay, now you're too big to fail. You know? Yeah. So I would say Swift, Yonsei, and fucking Gaga. They could they could do it. I think Donald Glover could. I think that like it's just 
I I think that like it's just the fact that he creates stuff and will just put stuff out there that he could yeah. do it and people would be like, well, that's a Donald Glover project. You know, it's going to yeah. be something something special. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And and then when uh when like Kendrick Lamar does like a fucking high concept album finally, then that one too. <laughs> yeah, Kendrick Lamar could probably do no wrong in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 2010, Emma Bunton revealed that there were plans to do a sequel for the release of Spice World, but um, they had an album, they had the tour, and then Jerry Hollowell left, so it didn't happen. But in January 2019, following the announcement of the Spice Girls reunion tour, Simon Fuller, their manager, confirmed plans to make an animated sequel to Spice World. So... On June 13th, 2019, it was reported that Paramount Animation had greenlit the project. All five members of the band will be returning and will feature both previous and new songs. But the girls will be superheroes in the animated short. Yeah, give me it. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Hopefully Spice World 2, the animated feature will be one of the concepts that were pitched. The Spice Force 5? Yeah, I hope it's Spice Force 5. (laughs) God damn it, man. Going back to the fucking... the, The padded wall levels of insanity of this fucking film. When they're pitching the Spice Force 5 and... He goes through all of them in like their their cliche roles, like Emma, you know, Baby Spice being the karate expert. You know, she was actually a fucking green belt. Really? Yeah, yeah. I knew that from which magazine was it? Want to say Tiger Beat? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say pulling on yourself, <laughs> and I'd probably be right. Well, Baby was my favorite, and so I knew. So, like, any information, you know, like, that is well, kind of retained. You know, I don't doubt that because you were a Kimberly boy. Mm-hmm. This, and I, I know since, Kimberly's not blonde, but I know that that's kind of... It's like in the... I, I get you. I get yeah. You. I get you, for sure. So, and, and since this is his choice, the reason we're doing this movie is because my dear friend Sean, or known as Soro on the Patreon. Um we gotta like gotta give a shout out to his favorite. Can you guess his favorite? I feel I like he I the easier answer the easier the easy answer is Victoria. But I have a feeling that it's sporty. I'm sure he's very happy right now listening to that because you fucking nailed it, my dude. <laughs> Mel, Mel C is his favorite. Mel C is his favorite. Funny, funny enough, and he'll appreciate hearing this. We weren't a fan of of like posh of Victoria. We she was like our least favorite back then, and neither of us can fucking tell you why. Like, because the way they portray her is that she is an unapproachable bitch. <laughs> Maybe. We just didn't like Victoria. And then as we matured, we're like, uh, 
we're stupid. You know, like we're really fucking stupid. Yeah. So, like so we both, you know, like we both have have uh paid our our penance for speaking ill of the wonderful Miss uh, Victoria Beckham. <laughs> but yeah, back then, like for whatever reason we were just yeah, I maybe you're on maybe you're not to me subconsciously that was the effect that we were just like she is beautiful and she would never talk to us. Maybe that was it. Well, whereas Mel Let C- me let me just shoot my shot within my league. Yeah, Mel C and Emma would both talk. If nothing else, I could become Emma's friend. <laughs> you know? Mel C but speaking of like just years of listening to Spice Girls and just loving like I mean this was more I gotta stress, this was more than just like a boner thing, you know? Yes, we found them fucking attractive, but we truly fucking love their fucking music. I, I loved their goddamn music. So I could never ask about the CDs, but my sisters were very careless with their things. So mm-hmm. CDs of theirs, Spice Girls, Christina. Britney always ended up in my CD player. I don't know how. Yeah. Man, and I used to listen to it with headphones on. That That's another thing um, where I was talking about, like, the, the heteronormalcy and the fucking gender norms and all that shit. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney, Christina Aguilera, all that shit was deemed as, like, a teen beat girly thing. Yeah. Oh, my dad would have just, my new name would have been Homo. <laughs> yeah, like, you could not outwardly say, like, you know, you could not outwardly say that, hey, fucking, you know, Oops, I Did It Again is an absolute fucking banger, and it pops my pussy, you know? You couldn't fucking outward, you couldn't just openly fucking say that shit without being deemed, like you said, you know, like a cock sleeve. You know, you would be fucking ridiculed. You I'd have I'd have forgotten my fucking God-given name. <laughs> I'd have been called homo so much. Yeah. It was just how it was. And yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't admit it to your friends. You couldn't admit it to your parents. Couldn't admit it to fucking anyone. You just were kind of set in this way. Maybe you had, you had one cousin you could tell. Yeah, yeah, you you, you were kind of like set in this way where it, it it was, you know, I have to deem this shit as sucks, you know, deem this shit as sucks. Yeah, fuck it, go with that. I just have to, I have to um, concede to that because otherwise I would just be, you know, ostracized. And thankfully, for whatever reason with the Spice Girls, um... I said my parents weren't rigid on this shit, and my best friend in the world also loved him. So thankfully, this love for them never got like, um, it never got stymied. It was never uh, suffocated or anything like that. I thankfully had like my whole life to love Spice Girls and be fully like about them. You know, it wasn't you know, like for other things like. Britney, Christina, Backstreet Boys, and sing. Later on, we'll be like, you know what? That's good fucking music. And fuck you. You know, like, it wasn't until much later I could do that. Because that was still, you know, it was like, I can't say I like a boy band. I remember when Shake It Off came out, and you and I were at the Sev, and uh, (laughs) we were both like, man, this song fucking slaps. 
Yeah. Man, this song is a fucking banger. Yeah. It is so it is it is so liberating to just be just upfront about that shit. It was like, yeah, I know I know damn well, you know, what this song's demographic is. Fuck me. you. <laughs> it's like it's me. <laughs> That's it's 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 Oh, like so, Spice Girls. I always got to have that with, and I guess in a it, because of that, that's one of the reasons why they're so uh, emboldened in my mind and in my heart as just special, beyond special. Like I just love the fucking Spice Girls. I love all their fucking music, man. I couldn't tell you like going back to the boner talk a little bit when extreme beach volleyball came out dead or alive extreme beach volleyball came out and we fucking rented that shit and we're like yeah we're gonna go play this at steven's house because at steven's house we can jerk off (laughs) (laughs) we could go back to back It's lawless there, you know. We can, we can we can play this game because like they got big fucking jubbly bouncy milk truck tits in there, and we can just beat off, you know. Like we can fucking do whatever we want there. Just put it in the Xbox, and we put it in the Xbox, and it came on. We're like, yeah, here comes the tits, you know, the menu screen, and then the menu screen popped up, you know, and it's like you know, it's it's beachy fucking shores, and Spice Girls do it is playing, and we're like. Hold up! <laughs> it's like this game is, is actually fucking amazing. You know, it's like and, <laughs> and we, like the horniness kind of left us, and we were just now just like, oh shit! Look at the fucking soundtrack here, and and truly look at the fucking soundtrack. Extreme Beach Volleyball. It has it has fucking Christina Aguilera. It has Spice Girls. It's got real big fish and fucking Bob Marley. It is just. Just from top to bottom, stellar fucking soundtrack. But yeah, man, Spice Girls, there's a power with them. The girl power, like we talked about, but just like, it's, man, I just, yeah, I'm just beaming when I talk about Spice Girls and what they mean to me. I don't want to get too off topic, but I have a weird dead or alive experience. (laughs) Well, let's go for it. I don't don't think... I don't think we've ever been afraid to get off topic on this show. No, we really haven't. But, um, like after I quit my job and went to Japan, like a, like a sane person does. And Brent and I were in an arcade and there was, they called it a dead or alive VR experience. Mm -hmm. And when you go in, you shut the door and you lock it behind you. Okay. Now, when I got into this little cubbyhole, I was like, this is kind of filthy. And uh, because it's a VR thing, I took a little wipe with me and I wiped down the headset and I wiped down the hand controls. And um, I put it on and I watched it and it turned out it was a dead or alive dating sim. Oh. What I didn't know is... There is a screen on the outside that plays your entire date for everybody in the arcade. And it was definitely, 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 I said three definitely's, 
a room where you go in and jerk off while having a date, but other people can tell that you're jerking off. Because <laughs> the text isn't moving? Or... <laughs> yes. <laughs> because the way the helmet is going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So they see your feed, like your... What your... Oh my god. They see the oh feed of what your helmet is showing uh, yeah. on the outside. Now, I realized that this was a jerk-off room about three minutes into being in there. And I was like, oh my god, I have to get through this as quickly as possible and I'm not touching myself. Yeah. It, was there... But there are like parts where you're like on the beach with them and it gives you the ability to slap their butt or grab boobies. Oh my god. And I was just in there mortified 33 years old <laughs> going going. Oh my god, these people that I'll never see again in my life think I'm jerking off. Oh, oh my god. god, hands are up in the sky. Let's just move through this as much as possible. I didn't know I was in a dating sim. Could they see your like your your virtual hands in the feed too? If they went in front of the the goggles? Yes. What is Man! What a fucking You got you got suckered. You got you got tricked. <laughs> All it said was DOA VR. And so you thought you were gonna play a virtual fighting game. I, I thought like well like I saw I was sitting down, so I didn't think I was gonna play a virtual fighting game, but I thought it was gonna be like I could play a fighting game, but it was first person, which meant I was going to get my ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. But, just... nope, it was a, it was a breast jiggling time. <laughs> and when I left, a guy oh. came in, wiped down the seat, wiped down everything else, went in oh. there, shut the door, and I just walked away. <laughs> I thought you were going to say... I thought you were saying that was like an attendant. Nope. Like the machine nope. had its own. It was that... the person up next. <laughs> Guy who was pre-gaming, watching, watching your feed and being like, what is up with this fucking crew? And then he saw that it was a white and he yeah. went, oh, he didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. <laughs> he, he didn't know that he walked into the, the meat beaten booth. Yeah, it was it was not good. <laughs> Beat booth, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just called it that the DOA the DOA Beat booth. <laughs> but the, but the crazy thing was is like it wasn't in like a dark corner or anything like that. <laughs> One of the mainstays of the arcade. It was <laughs> it was the first thing you saw when you got off the escalator. Could you? Oh fuck! So it, the only thing that would have been better if this was like the enticer, like that you could <laughs> see from from curbside. <laughs> it's like yeah, that like look, they got one of those in. They got one of those fucking beat boots in. You could. <laughs> You walk into curbside, you know, and it like, you know, like here in Vegas for the casinos, they have those 
big, powerful fucking air conditioners and misters that you could feel from the curb. You know, you're like, oh, that feels nice. Let me walk in there. And then you see, like, the machines. And, you know, it's the, the normal uh, casino tricks, right? Bright yeah. lights, a lot of noise, all that shit. And, like, signature scent. Yeah, signature scent. That's the enticer. And that would have been the only way this story would have been better if the beat booth was the fucking enticer. You know, like you're walking by and you're just like, oh my God, you know, thank God. Look at that. You know, like I, you know, I could go for a jerk right now. Like it was, it was surrounded by this Gundam game that like was just like, you could not get onto one of these Gundam machines without like at least putting a dollar coin up there and doing like a, I got next. Oh my God. It was just DOA VR jerk station Gundam <laughs> games. Oh, do you think like, oh, how much overlap do you think they had with the Gundam game and the, the beat booth? Like how many people like played the Gundam game? Got was... worked up playing Gundam and then they're like, all right, I gotta go get, get this extra energy out. Yeah. I'm gonna slip into the, <laughs> gonna slip into the DOA fucking masto box and and get get rub one out real quick before I head home. Like, otherwise, I, otherwise I'm gonna have all this pent up frustration. I paid three dollars for the VR experience, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Oh my god, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, put it on the. Put it on the trip tick. <laughs> I gotta see this. <laughs> go to Japan. I gotta see that motherfucker, and I gotta see the people that wait in line and come out of there. I gotta. I gotta. <laughs> I'll ask Britain where we were when we saw the beat booth. Yeah, because Britain saw me go into it, and she's like, "I'm gonna go play something else." And I went, "Yeah, you do that." <laughs> and then when did, I got out, she, she was. Know? No, she didn't know. She was like, how was it? Was it like a DOA volleyball? And I go, no, Britt, it was a dating sim, and it was definitely a jerk-off room, and I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting lightheaded. Fuck. <laughs> oh. oh, I think we got to end the episode. Yeah. Spice World's great. Guess yeah. what? There's a YouTube link in the in the description so if you I know didn't watch it go ahead and watch it come back i mean yeah. it's the end of the episode you already listened to it yeah check it out like it may seem it may seem a little unorthodox because it is you know it's like 16 parts on a video on a youtube playlist but man they whoever uploaded that they did a great job because it's pretty seamless yeah there's a couple have- of points where you're like oh okay yeah, yeah but yeah. that's it Thank you so much for listening to our show. We couldn't do it without you. Legitimately. I couldn't put a little bit of without me in this. If this was on the main feed, I'd be getting sued. Thanks to Rainer for the use of our theme song, Power Playthrough. Man, those guys, they've asked us to stop. But we fucking won't. Okay? You need to go to Pizza Hut this week and you say, give me a Rainer crust. And they're going to say, what is that? And you say, I want a fucking stuffed Rainer crust. Put Rory in that fucking crust for me. Give me the fucking Danny. I want all. I don't even want a pizza. That's what the Danny is. Get me some fucking healthy food and let's go to the goddamn gym. Drink a Bud Light Lime and scream to the heavens. 
Yeah, the 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 Bud Light line, like you ask for to Chris, and that's the Bud Light line. You know, you want uh, you say give me some Dave, and that's like um, it's just what's all of the yellow ingredients. It's (laughs) all the yellow ingredients. Put it on that motherfucker. (laughs) It's what like they don't use any mozzarella cheese or anything like that. They go straight white people taco night on there. They're like, yep, let's get the cheddar on here. Let's put a little bit of sour cream, some banana peppers. Yeah, I want all of it. I want a vegan yellow ass pizza. Just give me the, the give me that. And that's and that's the rainer. That's the, our powers combined, you know. <laughs> you dr- you eat it with a Bud Light lime. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's what we want this week. But remember, Rainers asked us to stop. They said it's too much, guys. I can't. And it's like, well, you know what? We can't stop. Won't stop. Bad boy. Shouldn't have made a song for us. Yeah. Shouldn't have made two songs for us, you motherfuckers. You guys are stupid. <laughs> it's our like, our you, brands you, are combined. I've been watching a lot of spooky shit, so we are essentially the Dybbuk box. <laughs> Rain, you opened the Dybbuk box. We are in your life now. You can't put us back. We are in your life now, Rainer. This is fucking happening. This is fucking happening. All right? But you know what? Thank you again. We love you so much. And, you know, spice up your life. If you're, if you're having a good time, shake to the right. You know that you feel fine.